So glad to see you. Let's stand up and greet each other. Say hi.
know that everything we have is because of you. You place this treasure in jars of place, so this all-surpassing power comes from you and not from us. Lord, you display your power in our weakness. We surrender our lives to you. You take what little we have to offer, and you make it big. So God, make it big. Offer ourselves to you. You are able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Let's sing It's Your Breath in Our Lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you
Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. Uh, just kind of a few announcements, kind of a few kind of uh, business items, and then we want to uh, do a time of prayer together. A um, couple things. Um, uh, first off, our, our beloved housekeeper, Pat, is on vacation, um, uh, has been gone on vacation uh, for a week, is gone for another three weeks. And, uh, but we're still looking for help cleaning up the church, so, and we haven't found anyone. So Joni and I kind of tidied up a few things around here. But uh, I'm not sure we want to do a whole, a whole month like that, because I will invariably miss some garbage can somewhere that will start to smell. So, um, anyways, just so you know that, that she's on vacation, and, and we are looking for some help with that. So if you know someone, or if you're interested, or this is the thing that you love, please uh, come, come talk to me. Um, wanted to point out the, the rose on the organ, uh, and congratulations to Jared and Sarah on the arrival of their uh, little one, James. Um, we've set up a deal at takethemameal.com to arrange for uh, people to be able to, to bring meals at different times. We still have a couple opening slots, and so if you'd be interested in, in doing that or helping with that, you can talk to Joanne or just call up the office, and uh, they'll help you out with that. And also, a baby shower is planned for May 6th at 10 a.m. Uh, next week, Serve Sunday. Now, there should be sign-up sheets at the back of each of the, or, or clipboards at the back of, of each area. And um, uh, if you guys want to just snag one of those and look those over, we would ask that you look that over and maybe sign up for an area. Not so much because it locks you up in stone for how you would serve, but simply it helps us prepare for how many people we, we might be expecting in these different areas. 
And we've uh, kind of broken it up in different areas. There will be some stuff here at the church. Uh, there will be some sewing, some prep for the waffle fundraiser, um, some landscaping, that kind of thing. We're doing some stuff with the, with the city um, and doing some things there, and then also with the school. And so the plan is we'll meet around 9.15-ish here in the morning, and uh, you can, you know, get hooked up with whatever team and where you're going to serve. We'll go serve for a couple hours, and then we'll come back for a waffle fundraiser. And then that, that fundraiser, of course, is to support the VBS team, the Vacation Bible School team that will be headed to Utah later on. So bring your work clothes and your fat wallet, and, uh, and, and we'll be doing that on uh, next weekend for that. So i um, pretty pumped about that, too. Um, also, just kind of want to give you a, a, a heads up on finances, on, on church finances. And, um, the, um, and, and if you're visiting today, you can just kind of tune me out for a couple minutes. Not, like, not the whole day, but just for a couple minutes. And, um, but it's, uh, the, with finances, we're, like, like, no one's panicked. But one of the things, though, is that um, our projected giving and our actual giving is just a little bit behind schedule. And so what has been happening roughly, as I understand it, is that we'll start out the month um, in our general fund. I can give you all the details later if you want. In our general fund, um, pretty well balanced. Um, but then we pay all our bills and our salaries and that kind of thing, and so it takes a dip. And then over the rest of the month, it rebuilds. And then at the beginning of the month, we pay everything out, and it takes a dip, and then it rebuilds. But what happens, though, is that maybe we miss a Sunday, or we have a low Sunday, you know, and so it doesn't, it doesn't kind of quite rebuild to, to where it was. And so um, we've had a couple months where I, I think it's kind of stair-stepped down a little bit on us. So um, at the last leadership meeting, I said, hey, we're, you know, like we're behind a few thousand dollars. Should, should I panic? I mean, I guess I am panicking, but maybe I shouldn't. Are you guys panicking? And they're like, yeah, we haven't seen this since. And then they reference like some event from the 80s. And so... Um, I, I, I still really don't know where they stand on it, I guess. But anyway, so we're, you know, we're going to maybe uh, tighten up some of our spending, but I would also just invite you guys to reflect and say, hey, is our tithing up and that kind of thing. The other thing that, that's part of it, and I apologize to you on this, is that we still have this archaic giving spending where we only let you give once a week by cash or check only. And so we really need to update that and get some electronic giving options available and some, I mean, that's how I've done it in the past and I love it because I just go online and set some stuff up and then my tithe goes out at the beginning of the month and it's beautiful and, uh, and I never forget and it's consistent for the church. So anyways, we have some updating to do uh, on our part, but just wanted to give you uh, some updates on that. Um, and if I got any of that wrong leadership team, you can just deal with it later on and correct people. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, do, let's have a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, you are a gracious and beautiful God. We love you dearly. We worship you this morning. We adore you. We thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you that you give us you that we have the freedom to enter your courts with thanksgiving and with praise, that you invite us to do so, that we can approach you directly, that there's no intermediary. It's a remarkable thing. God, we continue to, to pray for those amongst us, 
who are ill or suffering. Continue to pray for Tiffany, for Kim, for Russ, others. Many of us know someone else in our circle who is hurts, whether it be physical or emotional. And God, we, we pray for Serve Sunday next week. Lord, the, what we're doing is serving, but what the goal is, is to say, hey, community, God loves you. And we do too. And we just want you to know that and hear that, and so here's a tangible expression of that. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be members of this of our community who, who, who would receive that, who would feel that, who would know, hey, hey, hey the, the churches, this church, the, they love us, God loves us. What's going on here? I, I pray that that, that that would click for people in, in the community. And God, it's so good for us too just to be able to serve. What a gift that is to us, actually. Thank you. And so, Lord, today as we continue to worship and study your word and grow in maturity, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and speak to us, to each one individually, minister to us, Lord, whether it be a word of encouragement or a word of correction. God, we invite it. We invite you into our life. We love you and we worship you. In your name, amen. Your treasure in jars of clay. 
Thanks, worship team. We have a good worship team. I hope you never take that for granted. Like, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're pretty blessed that way. And um, I know a week ago, Christine was a little bit worried because it looked like she'd be the only one. And with prom last night, she'd be showing up with only a few hours of sleep. And instead, we got the full ensemble and a Wyoming import. And so, it was great. So, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it.
one of the things of working with short-term missions for a long time is, um, is that basically you just get a whole lot of food stories, um, most of them good, right? Like in my travels and in my visiting team, like, and in visiting different teams, uh, like, 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 I ate really well at, at different times. And it's kind of fun because I would show up for a week, and so, you know, the local leaders would always kind of make it a point, you know, to, to feed you well and, and that kind of thing. Like, I remember visiting Heidi in Portugal, and I don't know, I just, every meal was amazing, and it was something like, one guy serving fish, and and they've got like this green wine that's really good, and there were these pastries. I don't even know what they were called. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. These little round pastries with cream in the middle, and if any part of my theology of heaven is correct, they will be served in heaven. Okay, so don't worry if you don't get any in this lifetime. They will be there. Like there will be some bakery serving these things in in heaven, and. Um, and, yeah, just really fun stuff. But, you know, at other times, like, it's just not so good. Um, when we were in India, uh, we, one of my coworkers just called it shrapnel chicken. Because w- what they would do is rather than take the chicken, you know, and, like, carve it up and, like, you know, here's the, you know, the boneless, skinless, you know, chicken breast or whatever. No, like, they would just, like, like they take the feathers off, okay? But then, so help me, they just stretch that sucker out and just cube him from, like, toe to beak and then throw that in your meal, okay? And so every time you take a piece of chicken, like, there's going to be some meat, but then there's going to be, like, bone shrapnel and then, like, some piece of cartilage and maybe, like, a piece of fat. Like, I am devout, devout carnivore, but if I were to do India again, I'd go vegetarian, right? And so we all developed, like, different, different methods for, like, how, how to deal with it. One of my favorite stories is, so we're in, like, this restaurant, right, like, very, like, mom and pop, like, backwoods area. Um, there's four of us at one table. The, the rest of our team's over at this table. They can see in the kitchen. They tell us the cook is wearing a tea towel. End of sentence. Um, and, and, and I'm watching the waiter guy, and, and he, he's going to get us water for our table, right? So he goes over, because there's four at our table, he grabs four cups with one hand. Now just think about this for a minute. What is the only way that you can grab four cups with one hand? Right, you just stick your fingers in all of them. I'm like, ooh, like that's where I'm going to drink, you know? So he, he, just, he just does that with the four cups. Then he goes over to a barrel of water, I kid you not, scoops out the water... Brings it over, like he's two knuckles deep in my drinking water, right? You know, and I'm laughing because I know we're going to get bottled water because that's what we always do, you know? And he just like slides to the water. I was like, oh man, yeah. And um, so just, and like, I remember one time I was visiting the team in, in, in Panama and like we had had a couple of really great meals and then they served me a piece of meat. And I was like, man. I don't, I don't know if this guy flew or swam in his previous life. And when you can't figure out if it's a bird or a fish, that is rough. And what I eventually figured out was that, that, that it swam. It had been kind of like a catfish, but they had like, it was kind of like the head and shoulders. Like they had hacked off his lips and then like an inch past the shoulders. So it was kind of like a skull and then a little bit of the shoulders. And it was... But there weren't, like, fins or wings, but I was looking for that, trying to figure out where they went. 
So it was all very confusing. The um, uh, Indonesia. Okay, so we send this team to, I literally, we could just do a whole hour of food stories. Um, Indonesia, we, I, I wasn't there for this, but we send this team there. And they've got this host, they're going somewhere for a meal. And the missionaries are with them. And the hosts bring out, like, you know, the main entree. And it, it like, it's, it's a piglet. Like, all of it. Like, just, like, there on the tray, right? Or, or a small pig. And, the, and the, the missionary host just leans over to the, one of the girls and just goes, just try to get a piece without hair. <laughs> this was the same team where they heard that we like McDonald's, so they took them out for McDonald's. And then served them just the cold leftovers for breakfast. So it was like, just cheeseburger straight out of the fridge, McDonald's cheeseburger, like leftover french fries. And you know, you can do it, but it's not like, ooh, the bun's soggy and whatnot. Philippines, Philippines, oh, Philippines. So they showed us this picture. It's some kind of worm that grows inside of a tree type thing. And they had this bowl. And they're, like, holding up, and it looked like just like a 12-inch, like, tube of snot is really what, what this thing was. But they, they also have this thing called balut. And we would actually serve trekkers this in training just to be mean, and it made me laugh. But balut is a partially developed duck egg. And so what they would do is they would take these duck eggs, partially developed, and then they, like, boil them, they cook them. But, but then what you do is you, you kind of crack a little oatmeal and you drink the juice. Apparently it tastes kind of like a chicken noodle soup type thing. But then, then you open up the rest of the egg and there's that duck. You know, he's like, eh, you know, and just down the hatch. And apparently it tastes like chicken noodle soup, but the beak is crunchy. This is what I've been told. And um, so all different kind of things. But you know what's actually amazing, though, is despite all of this, is... How offensive it is to locals when you don't eat their delicacies, when you don't eat like their, their, their favorite foods. We have a video of a team in Mongolia. They were getting served sheep, but because they were the honored guests, they were serving them all the delicacies, which is basically like the innards. And so there's this video, because they use it in this promo, and this guy is like staring it down, right? Like just like like, getting worked up for this. And then they ask him, and he's like, you're like, what? well, I'm just, you know, getting rid of it. And he holds up, like, this coil of intestines that's been cooking in this pot for however long and, and whatnot. But it's just, it, it is remarkable how personal it is when people don't, when you don't eat what's set before them. Um, one lady was talking about how they had, I think it was like an international student exchange type thing, right? So the student shows up and her dad. Um, and it's, it, it, it's a young man and his father from Mexico. And they had come up to, it was like the Seattle, Bellingham area, that kind of thing. And they were very, very excited for them. So she made her best meal. I mean, it was like the smoked salmon that was remarkable and like green beans and like all, like just, it was really, really good. And they showed up and they're like, mm, I don't know. And like he picked up the plate and he like sniffed it. And he was like, oh, what is this? And I can't eat this. And she's going, you know, it shouldn't have made a difference, but that actually really hurt, you know. And for as many funny stories as I have about food, I can probably give you equal number of stories for hosts that were deeply offended and hurt when the visitors didn't honor what, what they had served them. 
One team, I, I, this was before my time, I don't know what team it was, they were getting ready to leave. Um, they heard that North Americans like pizza, they made them a pizza. It was horrible. But they're up on, on, you know, about three, four stories up in this apartment complex. And so the team is like, what do we do with this horrible pizza? And so they just kind of worked their way to the balcony and would, like, huck a piece over the edge. Well, everyone knows everyone in that building and all the people on the first floor. Like, why is there pizza on the floor? And the team was deeply, deeply hurt um, as a result of that. In Mark... Jesus sends out the twelve on a short-term mission trip. He there's a much longer description in Matthew and also in Luke. A lot more instructions. Um, I couldn't find it in John. I, I'm very familiar with the Luke one. I've taught out of that one, but the instructions in that. I mean, not only do you see just the overall agenda of of what Jesus is trying to accomplish, but his instructions in that are actually like really timeless and really practical even to this day. Because one of the things that he says in there is, eat what's set before you. And you could easily blow over that and be like, yeah, okay, well, I'm not going to starve myself. Until you've done international for months at a time, and you understand that, okay, this was fun like the first two weeks, and now, like, this is just really, really tiring, and I'm sick, and I just ate a huge breakfast, and now they're offended if I don't eat this huge meal at 10 a.m., and that kind of thing. Like, there is actually really, really deep practical advice in there. And we'll actually touch on that a, a little bit. Um, but that, that's the passage for today and, and want to talk through some of these areas. Let me read this to you. This, this is kind of the shortest of the three accounts. I'm in Mark chapter 6. We've been working through the book of Mark. Now we skipped ahead for, for Palm Sunday and for Easter, but now we're coming back and we're going to keep working through it. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called the twelve and he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart. Good advice. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Lots of um, good stuff in this. Uh, so Jesus is, you know, Jesus has these, these disciples for only three years. And so as part of his training, as part of his discipleship, he includes basically a little for lack of a better term, like short-term missions trip or, or short-term ministry trip that he incorporates as part of this. So he's already done some training beforehand. I mean, they, they have some basics in their faith. He sends them out before, before him. And then when they come back, you see in some of the other passages that he does a little debrief, talks through it with them, that kind of thing. It, it, it's a great deal. And folks, going on some kind of short-term ministry missions trip is is actually an amazing amazing training and discipleship tool because going over there whatever over there is going over there can completely change how you view here especially in in terms of ministry i think every time i've taken someone to utah and that's just been utah but to you know to, to visit greenhouse and hang out with jason and nicole at some point in time in the conversation i hear you know i thought i knew i had no idea 
and, 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 and you do even start to see how, how they, they see um, here differently. And so it's just, it's of incredible value. Um, Jesus here and in some of the other, instru- uh, other passages, um, he, he gives them great instructions. We talked about food, eating what's before you. We also talked about staying with one host family for the entire trip. That's, that's good wisdom right there. I, even when I traveled in North America, if I was going to be in one area and traveling around for a little bit, I would pick one host family and i stay with them for the other time. For, if possible, for the entire time. Because otherwise it can start, you know, oh, well, they like so-and-so's better. Or they like, you know, like that's just good wisdom. Even his instructions to travel light. Like that, you know, like... I, th- I thought that, like, packing well was just, like, a thing that everyone could do. No. No. Right? When sister shows up with, like, an entire carry-on just for her shoes, and it doesn't hold all of the shoes, you know, like, we... <laughs> I gotta watch my time with my stories. Okay, so we were sending a team to Burkina Faso. Most remote conditions ever. Each individual is staying with a Muslim family with a Muslim host, they are going to build their own mud hut in the courtyard of this family. He says the most advanced piece of technology he saw was the cassette tape, which they used to square off the mortar between the bricks. Okay? Their luggage, all of their luggage went missing, except for what they had in a carry-on. Their luggage started to arrive week four, after a month in like hot dusty, like, like National Geographic picture of, like, Africa, like, that's where they were, right? Their luggage started to arrive week four, finished arriving week eight. They came home week 12. Um, so there, he spent hundreds of dollars in pay phones trying to track down. I'm laughing hysterically from the audience, you know, from, uh, you know, Abbotsford. Um, but it's interesting, though. They got all of their luggage, and then they're like, we don't need to have this junk. And then they just put it in the storage anyways. But they couldn't pack a carry-on. Like, they didn't bring malaria meds. They didn't bring a change of underwear. Like, if you ever travel, call me. We'll talk on how to pack a, a carry-on. Um, a few other things. Jesus has them focus in on the Jewish people, not the Gentiles, all right? That ministry is coming later. Now he's focusing in on the Gentiles. He's sending them to villages where he is about to go. He sends them out in pairs, very wise. Not only is there companionship, but two, there's, there's a broader, uh, uh, just, just there's more gifting and skills and abilities that, that are present when you travel in team. And so they're, they're strengthened that way. Also, Jewish custom, a testimony is not valid unless a second person gives the same testimony. So in having the two people, there's, there's solid testimony. He tells them, look, you're going to re- encounter some hospitality. You're going to encounter some hostility. This is that famous passage where he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, right? Who eats who, right? It's not you. You're the sheep, all right? So um, they're going to experience both on these. And he gives them instructions on on how to send them. And even our word apostle comes from the Greek word here being meant to to send, uh, apostello. So there's some really good stuff in here. An interesting thing happens, though. Luke records this. Mark doesn't. At the Last Supper, Jesus references this trip and these instructions, and he contradicts them. He gives them alternate instructions. 
He says, this is what it was. You're not going to do that anymore. This is how you're going to do it now. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Luke 22, verse 35, he said to them, When I send you out with no money bag, or knapsack, or sandals, like spare sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, But now, let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And incidentally, that's super confusing, and scholars still can't figure that one out. And actually, what I kind of want to zero in on today is a little bit is how these two fit together. Because they do fit together, and there's intentionality in this. And the best way to understand this is that when, Luke's, when, when, when uh, Jesus sends them out here, as, as we see recorded in Mark, basically they are going on, on the short-term ministry, the short-term mission strip. Whereas, at the Last Supper, he is basically commissioning the Twelve for long-term ministry. He, he is commissioning them for, for long-term missions, if, if you kind of want to use kind of consistent terminology, right? So, from now on, this is measured in, in years and months, and, and not weeks and days. But, it, if you look at, at the conversation, Jesus is, before he sends them out on long-term ministry, he is looking to establish certain foundations in the lives of the disciples, and one of the big ones that he is looking to establish is faith and God's provision. Jesus doesn't want them to, to seek their provision in a money belt full of cash. He wants them to find their provision in God. Jesus doesn't want them to find shelter and just, you know, you can get a hotel room whenever. He wants them to find shelter in the man of peace in the village and accept his hospitality. Jesus doesn't want them to take the extra clothes in case of an emergency or bad weather, right? He wants them to trust that the Lord knows what will happen and will take care of them. Jesus is wanting to the disciples to look to God as the ultimate source of their provision and for protection. Once they learn that, and only once they learn that, then is it okay for them to take the money belt, to take the extra cloak, to take the sword, whatever that means, because now Jesus, under, Jesus has confidence that they will view those things as tools of convenience, not the source of their provision. The foundational pillar in this passage is that God is your source and that he is your provision. And everything else is an accessory to that. And until you learn that foundation, like you just, you're, you're, you're going to look to other stuff wrongly. Years ago, I got to take a really cool course called a Wilderness First Responder course. It was week-long. It was heaps of fun. We would have, like, classroom lecture, and then you would go outside, and they just had, like, barrels full of, like, old camping equipment, like ski poles and webbing and, and sleeping pads and whatnot. And they say, okay, using this pile of random camping equipment, I want you to put traction on this guy's leg because he broke his femur, and you don't want him to bleed out. And, and, and it was fun. But one of the things that he reiterated over and over to us, he said, this is your best first aid kit right here. Everything else is just... Because you can really geek out on some of the stuff, right? And I've been known to do that, okay? But he just kept bringing it back. This is your best first aid kit right here. You have to understand what's a foundation and what's an accessory. You, you have to understand, like, like, what's the soil and what's the fruit? What builds on what? What's foundational? 
but then what flows out of that out of that foundation. When it comes to faith, we are instructed to have childlike faith. Matthew 18, 18, 3, Jesus takes a child, he puts him in amongst the disciples. He says, I want you to have faith like, like this child. Children have huge faith when it comes to reliance on others. And, and then we try to kind of teach them that out of them. We teach them to be self-reliant, which is good, but you, okay. But children have huge reliance upon others. And we know this, and you can see this every time they trash the house. Because they will dig out three-quarters of their toys and just leave them strewn about because they know that just magically they disappear by the morning. Right? Like, it just happens. Someone else takes care of it. Huge faith. Huge reliance on others. To have childlike faith is actually to have huge faith knowing that someone else is looking out for you. But, just because sometimes we'll say, oh, God wants us to be childlike. No. God wants you to have childlike faith. In everything else, we are to grow up. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. In faith, we are childlike. In everything else, we mature and we grow up. I've worked with a lot of international missionaries, and it's kind of comical because sometimes, you know, people will be like, oh, missionaries are like these super Christians, you know? And then the missionaries or even the mission agency will come back and be like, no, they're not super Christian. They're just ordinary people. Don't put them on a pedestal. They're just kind of doing the thing that God called them to do. And this conversation goes back and forth. And you know, on this one, I'm going to totally vouch for the missionaries. Yeah, they are not super Christians, Okay. Like, and some legit have issues. <laughs> so, you know, rest in confidence on that. But here's the thing that I, uh, that I will say of, of missionaries or, or, or other people I've known just in our long-term ministry. While I would not call them super Christians, I would call them mature Christians. I would absolutely call them mature Christians. And But we... See, here's the thing, people, is that we should never consider maturity astounding or amazing. Maturity should be standard. Maturity should be ordinary. Maturity should be run-of-the-mill. Maturity should be where we're all at. Woe to us if we look at maturity and go, I can never hope to be like that. Yeah, yeah, you should. Grow up. Okay? They're, they are not super Christians. They're what the normal Christian should look like. One of the great lines, oh, how did this go? Um, someone was, was coming back from a, a, a kind of a short-term missions trip, and they made the comment, well, now I guess I have to go back to, to ordinary Christian life. And his mentor was like, no, what you experienced was ordinary. Like, that was normal. Like, that's what it should be. Hopefully you will know that God loves you, and that God always loves you, and that we as a church will try to love you. Please don't make it too hard, but we will try to always love you. Okay, but you also have to realize, people, that your effectiveness is linked to your maturity. And that you can go through your whole life being loved, but you can also go through your whole life never really being effective. Never really being mature, and that's really sad. 
Jesus was training his disciples to be mature. He was training them to be effective. And yes, they had childlike faith, but in everything else, they, 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 they grew up. So last week, I was listening to a podcast. It was so good. Actually, is that la- I don't was it last week I was ranting and raving about this one on leadership development, which you should also go back and listen to. Um, but it was, it was actually at the end of that podcast because I hadn't had a, a chance to finish it. But the, the guy was taught, they were talking about reading and what books are you reading, and he was talking about other ones that he was reading. And, and, and he had read this book on the gaming industry in the U.S. today, like computer games. And the shift in the gaming industry has shifted away from finite games to infinite games. See, in a finite game, you play to win or lose. You have set boundaries, you have set conclusions, you, 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 you have a beginning and you have an end, and when the game is over, like it's over. But the shift is now actually working to finite games where you don't have a set beginning, you don't, well, you, you, I guess you would have a set beginning, but there's no set end, there's no set kind of final, the, the, the boundaries are always shaping. It's more like you have this character who's in this world and you're always working to better your character and to overcome different missions and accomplishments and that kind of thing. This guy then apparently takes that and translates that to daily life, particularly the business world, and I I have not researched this, but this is what he said. But so what happened is that Walmart, for years and years, was kind of top dog, and then along comes Amazon and just smokes the competition, and Walmart can't figure out why, and he said Walmart played a finite game. They played to win or lose. Amazon played the infinite game, they said every day we work to make ourselves better. And as of Saturday, Walmart stock was $80 and Amazon stock was 900 Should have bought Amazon 10 years ago. And, and the guy said, that has affected my walk with Jesus more than anything because too often we approach our relationship with Jesus with a finite mentality, and at the end of the day, we say, did I win or lose? When we should be saying, we should be playing the infinite game and say, did I become better today? Did I strengthen this relationship today? Infinite is not necessarily a reference to eternity. That's going to happen, right? But just in our approach with relationship, it's not, did I win or lose? It's, did I become better today? You know the difference between the professional and and the average? Almost always the professional excels at the basics. They they, they like sports, right? They dribble better, they pass better, they, they, they read the game better. There is no magical formula in professional. There is only excellence at the fundamentals. And so if you want to be the mature, super Christian... It's not magic formula. It's excellence in the fundamentals. For you and I to mature, like that's going to require a broad set of experiences, right? Maybe you do need to go on a short-term missions trip. Maybe you need to, to, to take some Bible classes. Maybe uh, you have certain lies in your head that are well-rooted that, that need to be eradicated and replaced with God's truth. Maybe you've been hurt and you need to experience some healing. Maybe you need to memorize some scripture. I don't know. But once again, it always comes back to, okay, what's the fruit and what's the soil? One of the concepts that I've been loving, 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 these past year or more, just in understanding church and that kind of thing, and how we grow as disciples, banner on my right, your left, um, is just how do, how do we grow in that? 
And, and, and three things. And, and I, I love how these people broke it down. But they said we need three things. We need large group, small group, and no group. Large group is this. Okay? This is us. Like, we, we need to participate in Sunday. We need to be part of the worship. We need to be part of the teaching. We, we need to hear the vision. We need to be part of something bigger. There's a story of, um, I'm assuming it's fictional, maybe not, uh, but some guy had not been attending church in a really long time, and so the pastor goes to visit him. And uh, he shows up, and the gentleman is, is sitting in front of the fireplace. The pastor comes in. Um, they don't say a word. They just sit there and they watch the fire. And one of, one of the coals or one of the embers has rolled out of the fire and is now separate from the fire. And they both sit there and watch as that ember just loses its heat, loses its color, and just gets colder and darker as it sits there. And then the pastor takes a t- set of tongs and he picks up that ember and he sets it back in the fire. And they both watch as that ember starts to regain, as it starts to glow again, as it starts to regain its heat, as it starts to burn with the others. And then he gets up and leaves. They've not said a word, and the guy says, Thanks for the fiery sermon, I'll be there on Sunday. We need the the small group. Or we need the, the large group. The other thing that we need is the small group. More and more I'm convinced that the small group, whatever delivery method that be, whether it be Sunday school or something else, I mean, that, that brings an element of discipleship that, we, that I cannot give you on Sunday morning. We can give you teaching, we can give, give you worship on Sunday morning, but in that small group element is when we can sit across from one another and we can say to one another, Hey, how's your mom? I heard she had surgery. Hey, how's your kid? I know he was struggling with some stuff. Hey, you, you had asked us to hold you accountable because you, you had some tough stuff. How's that going? Hey, I, I, need, I need help. Can, can, you, can you guys pray for me and, and help me with some stuff? Right? That, that small group setting brings a component that, that you just don't get elsewhere. And we're, we're trying to figure that out, right? I mean... Um, we have Sunday school, but as you look at, at our culture, the, the ship is sailing on Sunday school. And I, good or bad, that's just kind of how things are going. Um, younger people today just aren't interested in Sunday school. It just sounds lecture-ish, right? And so the adult Sunday school leaders and I are getting together on a regular basis. We're praying, we're reading books, and we're talking, trying to figure out Looking forward to the next few decades, what is the best delivery method for small group adult discipleship? We don't know yet. We're working on it. But, but I mean, look, I, the, the, the Sunday school ship is sailing, people. And so, I mean, I guess we can throw ourselves, for adults, let, let me emphasize that, for adults. And we can try to throw ourselves into that and, and revive that, but just nationwide, that's that's not the way. And so we got to figure out what's effective, what's a good delivery tool, a good delivery method for the next 20, 30, 40 years, maybe just five years. Um, within that small group, right, that's where we care for one another. That's really where your primary pastoral care should happen 
is within that small group. That's where we learn scripture together. That's where we have fun together. That's where we do missional living together is out of those small groups of community. Only small group can deliver certain aspects of discipleship. Third area, no group. No group is where you just sit in your chair for 15 to 30 minutes, just you, your Bible, and maybe a journal. Just just you and Jesus. And as much as I will argue that you cannot become a mature Christian on your own, I will also advocate that you cannot become a mature Christian without alone time. And, I mean, the discipleship books and Oswald Chambers and all these other things, like, those are great, but you need time with just you and Scripture, right? Take out the middleman, people. Just read it for yourself. Just 15 minutes or more. If you want to do 20, no one's mad. Okay. Jesus wanted mature disciples, so he incorporated different discipleship techniques. One of them that he incorporated was was this short-term trip. But what he was really going after was certain foundations in their lives. He wanted faith. He wanted maturity. He wanted effectiveness. And for you and I to build that, like, that's going to require a whole host of experiences. But the three critical ones that, that I, I think are the soil out of which everything else goes is that large group, small group, no group. And I would love, I would love for all of you to do international stuff. I would love for your luggage to get lost in Dubai. I would love for you to eat disgusting foods in Russia and Scotland and not picking on those countries, but I'm sure they got some items, you know, but then at the same time eat amazing meals in wherever, Russia and Scotland again. I would love for you to, to worship with believers in, in China, in, in Kenya, wherever, right? But more than anything, I would hope for you to be mature Christians with that childlike faith that serves as a foundation for everything else to grow out of. A faith that knows the heart of the Father and knows His provision for us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Sometimes our striving for self-reliance has meant that we have not had the childlike faith that we should. Lord, we want to trust in you and your provision before anything else. Lord, we want to be mature. We want to be effective. We want to grow up. But part of that is you teaching us to rely on you, not the money belt. To rely on your, your wisdom, not our preparedness. To rely on your instruction, not, not us accumulating certain things. Lord, there's nothing wrong with that, but we must understand what is the foundation and what is the accessory. And Lord, in any place where we have, have, have goofed that up or, or gotten that backwards or, 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 or done that wrong... Lord, we ask you to invite, or we invite you into our lives to just highlight that and say, look, this is an accessory, not a foundation. You need to move it into the accessory category. Hey, this is a foundation that you have too long held at, at arm's length. That needs to be a pillar of your life. Lord, help, help us reorientate our priorities. 
And Lord, we just want to say that we are grateful. We just have a lot, a lot of gratitude for who you are and what you've done in our life, for the opportunities that we get to, to live here and to be in fellowship and, 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 and to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like, that's just a thrill ride, if nothing else. Thank you. Lord, help us grow up in our maturity. We love you, Lord. Amen. Please stand with us. encourage you just to make this your prayer of your heart today. That Jesus will be all to us. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are
Lord, forgive us for we make it all about us instead of all about you. God, thank you. It is all about you. Help us to become mature Christians. When people look at us, they see Jesus. They want to know your love and forgiveness. Thank you. 